Well, geez. Y'all social. Y'all saying hi. I love it. <laughs> hey, Mark. Hey, Hunter. Hey, guys. Guys, we made it. It's Kaya Day. Day one is here. I'm so excited to share what it is that the Lord has given us to share with you guys today. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hey, welcome. We're here. Home church, baby. Oh, it's going to be a good day. So, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Elijah. I've got the honor and privilege of being the youth pastor here at Home Church. Get up for the youth. What's up, youth? You're doing great. We love you guys. You're awesome. Um, I'm the youth pastor. This is Pastor Jeff, my lovely father. If you didn't know that, we don't look very much alike, but that's okay because Jesus loves us anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm much better looking than he is. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. You can think that, but... Yeah, um, <laughs> so today uh, we're going to be um, doing a little, little different kind of a service, we're have a little bit more of a conversation style rather than just talking at you for an hour and a half, <laughs> but it's Kaya week, baby, this is day one, Kaya day, and today we're talking all about coming back to Jesus, and it's going to be super, super good, but before we dive into that, um, Pastor, if we weren't here last week, what, what did he miss out on last week? So we talk about how Jesus is king, Amen. So he's, he's not just a leader, he's not just a president, he's not a secretary general, he's not a dictator, he's not whatever the world defines as a leader, he's not just a king, he is king, period, amen? And what's really awesome, last week we talked about how Jesus was prophesied, over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament about him before he was even born, and he's already fulfilled over 300 of them, which means because he fulfilled those prophecies, the ones that have yet to be fulfilled are going to be fulfilled. And we're in that last day, that last time where the church is moaning and groaning for him to return. The birth pains, as he said, are getting closer and closer together. And so they're about to be fulfilled. And we live as the church in the greatest time. This age that we're in right here, right now, this is the greatest time to be the church. And that should really excite you, which is the whole reason why we're doing Come as you are, Okaya, this week. Yes. And this has been a trip. Getting ready for this event for you guys has literally been the most fun experience ever. Um, we got a billion lovely butterflies hanging out in the lobby. I don't know if you saw those. They're pretty cute. We got the disco balls out. It's a party all week long. We're super stoked to get this thing rolling. But today, we we're talking about the prodigal son. And it's really cute because he's my dad. So we're going to be talking about... Um, um, sons, how many sons do we have in here? How many, uh, obviously, yeah, if you're a dude, you're probably a son of somebody. Um, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Wait, wait, try to, try to recover from I'm that. Trying, I'm trying so hard. Okay. How many, how many perfect sons do we have in here? Hey, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, we'll be talking about a son today that messed up a little bit because we all mess up. Amen. It happens, Amen. but before we dive into that, how many of y'all actually know what prodigal means? I literally, I, I had to Google it. We were talking about like the prodigal son and for a long time I kind of just assumed it meant, you know, like running away or turning away or something. But prodigal actually means um, like wasteful spending, like you're being like wasteful, you know? And I didn't know that. So there you go. For your notes, prodigal equals wasteful. There you go. That, that was free. Um, <laughs> but before we dive into today, we're going we're gonna to set the scene a little bit. Um, we'll be in Luke chapter 15. Yeah, Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. But before we dive in, um, we're, we're going to set the table for you guys. So basically what's happening is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, praise God, hallelujah, is hanging out 
with um, people. And the Bible describes them as, you know, like the sinful people uh, before this story happens. And he's hanging out with them. The Bible says they're like eating, right? They're hanging yes. out around the table, kumbayaing. So Jesus is eating and drinking with, with these people. They're tax collectors. They're sinners, prostitutes. They're, they're us, right? It's you and me. So Jesus yep. having lunch with us. It's lit. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the nerds of the Bible, the, the, the Pharisees pull up and they're not very happy. Uh, if you don't know what Pharisee is, they're like the religious nerds. They're, they're, they they kind of know what's going on, but like, as we see here in a minute, they have no idea what's happening. So they're upset with Jesus. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with crummy people? And Jesus is like, I'm about to take you out of school. Buckle up. We're about to tell some stories. So Jesus goes and tells three stories. And the first one was about the lost sheep. He talks about uh, a shepherd who had a flock and he loses a sheep and the shepherd goes and finds the one sheep and brings it back. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And the Pharisees still don't get it. So he tells a second story. He tells a parable of the lost coin and about how a lady had, it was 10, 10 coins, right? 10 and coins. she lost one of them. And it was a big deal because, I mean, it wasn't like a penny. It wasn't like losing, you know, you're like a penny. You're like, oh no. It's like one coin was what, a day's wages, right? One day of wages. One day yep. of wages. And she lost one of them. And that's kind of a big deal. Um, you know how expensive gas is right now? Can you imagine yeah, losing yeah. a full tank of gas and one day you're like, oh snap. I'm going to be in trouble. Or if you're somebody that's like a youth and you work at Whataburger or something like Whataburger. Who likes Whataburger, right? So yeah, you probably work on a Friday night on Saturday during the day. And let's say you lose that whole Saturday that you worked at Whataburger. That that day is gone. You've lost that money. That's that's how bad it is. That would stink. Because Wada, praise God, is open 24 hours a day. I can't imagine working the, the graveyard shift and not getting your paycheck after that. But... The woman finds her coin, and it's epic. Everybody's super happy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pharisees still don't get it. They're, they're still sitting there like, and? So Jesus tells a third story, and that's the story we're going to be talking about today, and I'm super stoked about it. Um, so before you get into that, though, Pharisees, okay, the religious nerds, as Elijah calls them. So if some of you are in here and you haven't stepped into church in a long time, or maybe it's your first time stepping into church, probably your mentality, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Stacey Morris a little bit here because she gave me a story how she went through the Dutch Brothers uh, drive-thru today, and, and the guy was like, wow, you're here early, where are you going? And she said, church. And he was like, so what time is mass? All right? So we don't do mass here, this is, uh, this is church, right? So the, the mentality of those that don't come to church possibly might be that church is something that's a religious mess, really. It's a lot, a lot of do's and don'ts. Uh, basically, like the Pharisees, it's the law, and it's boring, and it's lifeless, and that's not what we are. Amen? Uh, we are alive in Jesus, and so I just want you to know, so the Pharisees are those, those nerds before we get into this, and this is who Jesus is talking to. Continue. So, Jesus um, unloads this epic story to these people. And I start picking up in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And it says, uh, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Now, many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. So basically this was a, this was a big deal at the time because uh, as a son in that day and age, you know, you get like a birthright, right? And dad, basically, whenever he would pass away, the son would inherit pretty much everything, yeah? Between, or, between the children. How many, yeah, yeah. So, how, many, how many sons he had? Yep. But basically, this is a big deal because this would be like me walking up to dad and being like, hey, 
give it to me now because I think I deserve it. And that would be a big deal because that would mean, hey, dad, basically go take a hike. Like, kick the bucket. Give me the money. I want it now instead of later. Um, and that, you know, that wasn't very cool. I can't imagine walking up to you one day and being like, hey, can I have your new car, please? Thank you very much. No. Now? You immediately? have it. No. <laughs> So what is that, how does this reflect upon us? I mean, some of us might be in here feeling like we have, we have sinned tremendously that God would not accept us back, right? So in this instance, if you want to kind of lay it up how Pastor Elijah did, basically it would be my, me, like me going up to my dad and say, would you please die so I can have all your money? I mean, that's how bad it is, right? And so if you're to sit here and think, how could God love me because I, I, have, I have wronged him so badly, this right here will let you know that it doesn't matter how bad you think you've sinned, God is already there saying, come on back, right? So, yes, this is going to be awesome. Go ahead. So, continuing, picking up in uh, verse 14, and we're going to park on this for a second. Verse 14 said, and he went and spent everything, and a severe famine rose in the country and began to be in need. And what jumped out at me as I was reading this was the phrase, and he had spent everything, that first bit. And it jumped out at me because... And maybe think about, you know, the situation that you and I find ourselves in. Because obviously, I don't know if you, like, have connected the dots yet, but we are the prodigal son. Um, we are the ones that come, or we've come before and said to God, you know, like, I'm going to go do my own thing. He literally left everything that he knew was not good for him. He left his security, left the father, and he went and did his own thing, right? And when he does, he goes and spends everything he has. He, gives everything, he lives the life he thinks that he should live. He does what feels good, does what's fun, uh, does like the trendy thing and just says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ball. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm balling right now for like a week and a half. And then he finds himself in need. He's at rock bottom. And this is where I feel like a lot of people, including myself, has found ourselves. We go, we live our lives against what, you know, we know is right or the security of who Jesus is. And we kind of do our own thing for a little bit. And we get kind of stuck because it says there's even a famine in the land. It's not even just him. Everybody's in need, but it's him because he gave everything he had. He says he's got nothing left. He's at the end of his rope. He's done. He's tapped out. And so, and it's not too late. I mean, how many of us have strung, out, strung ourselves out so much that we have hit, like he said, rock bottom. We're in this pit. We've talked about this before, right? Because when you're in a pit, it really is actually not necessarily that bad Okay, it may seem like it's really bad, but in the scheme of eternity and in God's plan for your life, being in a pit is actually not a bad thing because the only way you can go is what? Up, right? And so sometimes God, his grace will allow us to get to this point where we hit rock bottom. And when you're there, now this is when he can step in and get you out. So it's a good place to be in actually, right? Kind of that limbo thing that we talked about several months ago. So, and it, no. it continues because, you know, uh, he's sitting there and I imagine him, you know, he had just probably walked out of, you know, who knows where, probably some, I don't know what they had. Did they have like clubs back then? What did they do? They like, well, what did they, <laughs> somewhere undesirable, I'm sure. They, 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 he walks out and he's like, dang, I got no money. And he's getting hungry. And he knows it. I'm sure he knows he's out of, out of funding. And this is where, yeah, he's at rock bottom. That like anxiety starts kicking in or like that, you know, the anxious, you know, well, what am I going to do? I don't know what's going to happen next because I've got nothing, like, I've got nothing left. How, like, how many of us find ourselves in that situation where we hit that low 
and like the panic starts coming in. It hasn't, it hasn't elevated yet. It hasn't like fully, you know, taken over our, our existence as it does to this guy in a, in a little bit, but it's starting. It, it's the seeds of what are you gonna do in this situation? We talked about it actually in youth a few months ago. We called it worshiping in the red. And basically the red was any situation where you find yourself feeling alone or isolated from what God has for you. And you find yourself at the bottom and the question we pose to them is, what are you going to do in that situation? Are you going to turn to things that, you know, are only going to end up hurting you more? Things like, you know, addictions or uh, ways of thinking, uh, depression, anxiety, whatever it is. Or are you going to make the mental note to be like, no, God, I'm going to follow you at that bottom stage, you know? So we continue in uh, verse 15, and it says, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So the son still has nothing. He's in, he's in his red moment, or he's at rock bottom. And instead of turning, like we just talked about, to Jesus in that moment and saying, you know, getting his act together and coming the right way, he starts turning to things that are garbage. Quite literally, these pigs are eating what do pigs eat nasty things, right? They, they're, right. they're pigs. They eat whatever. Yeah, the yeah. leftovers. Anything like secondhand, like you don't want it. It's trash. <laughs> and he's sitting in this field, and that seemed more appealing than turning back home at this point. It still hasn't connected the dots in his brain about, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. All he's looking at is the pigs and what the pigs have. Not the, the sustenance or the the good things that the father had for him back yet. So that there's a sense of, of stubbornness here. I mean, how many of you would consider yourself a stubborn person? But we, okay, yeah, but we list it as I'm strong, you know, or I, I'm, I'm powerful or I'm in control of my death. No, you're stubborn, okay, you're prideful. And so this is this son, I mean, first of all, it takes that amount of pride and stubbornness to go to your dad who's not yet dead and say, I want your money now. And then it takes even more to sustain it, even through the hard time when you know you've made a mistake, you know you've failed, and now you're at the end of yourself, and he's still stubborn, right? Doesn't want to turn his heart and come back. Go ahead. So it was like, now it's no longer, you know, that the thoughts aren't creeping in. Now it's, it's crunch time. Like, he's at the bottom. The anxiety is here. The, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's depressed. I'm sure he's not very happy. Um, the thoughts of, you know, what do I do now? His eyes are on what's ahead of him, not, you know, what could be. So it continues on uh, verse 17. It goes on, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have had more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And this to me, it's probably the coolest part of this story. I mean, the rest of it's really cool too, but like this to me really kind of just jumped off the page as I was reading it. Because what I see here is it's what we do. You know, we mess up and immediately it's not, you know, oh, I need to come back. It's you start thinking of your worth and you're like, well, I'm not really a great person, so I don't deserve what God has for me or I don't deserve Jesus' forgiveness or I don't deserve fill in the blank. So what we do, we start rationalizing in our brain. We start saying, 
maybe I can get back in just a little bit, you know, just to get back on like the right path or back and at least not starving, you know? So what I see here is the son, he's like pressing in his head. He's like, yeah. as, as a son to this awesome man, um, there's been plenty of times growing up as a kid where like I've messed up and I was like really, really scared to go talk to dad because, you know, what happens? You know, your dad's going to, you know, bring out what, the rod of correction and be like, <laughs> Otherwise known as Rodney. Uh, yeah, Rodney, Rodney. The, the, the spoon. That Dude, that thing whistled. It had like slits in it for like whatever, and it would, dude, it would scream. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, um, but like, he's got that mentality. He's sitting there in like his mess. I assume he's probably sitting there, you know, huddled up next to a pig, just being like, dang. My life sucks right now. It's kind of that Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Remember? Literally, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh -huh. hanging he out finds with that dude. Uh -huh. Yep. But Tortuga, yeah, yeah, he's he's all kinds of messed up, and what he's trying to do is instead of coming back and knowing that you know Jesus only has forgiveness and love for him, he's finding it in his head. He's saying, "I know I don't deserve it, but like maybe I can just get by. You know, don't bring me back entirely because I know I messed up, but maybe I can like still be a servant. Maybe I can like get like your leftovers or something. Like get my foot in the door a little bit." And I think this is so important because, you know, like I just said, I've done it physically, you know, with dad, but with God, it's been the same thing. I know a lot of people, a lot of my own friends that like feel this way because of X, Y, and Z of what they've done, they can't come back because they feel like there's some kind of, some kind of barrier. And what we're going to see here in a second is that the son does eventually comes back Picking up in uh, verse 20. It said, he rose and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I was reading it in the Passion Translation. And it was cool because the son got like halfway through. He got actually, I have it pulled up. In the Passion Translation, it says, the son said to the father, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I can never be deserved to call be, I can never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And there's a hyphen. It's cut off. And it says, the father interrupted him and said, son, you're home now. And this to me was huge because he didn't even get to finish his rehearsed, like, apology. Because the dad didn't care. That's not the important thing. It's not, you know, I need you to say sorry. I need you to come and, you know, do all these things. The father, one, met him where he was because the son came as he was. The father went and met him. Can you imagine? This dude, strung out, he's got no food. He's probably skinny. He's probably, like, malnourished. He probably stinks. He's probably muddy. He's probably got flies around his head. And he, he came home. He decided to come as he was. <laughs> yeah, he stank. But the, but the father saw him in his mess and went and pursued him because he took the step back home. And as the son is trying to apologize, as the son is trying to rationalize, you know, well, I don't really deserve this, whatever, the father says, shut up. Like, actually, he's like, just stop talking because you're home now, and that's what matters. That, to me, is, like, the coolest thing ever. And... I, we were talking, I was talking to pastor about this as we were rehearsing this um, because, yeah, it takes rehearsal because I talk a lot and sorry. 
but the obvious, so it, it's Kaya Week, and it's, it's epic. Today is the first day of Kaya Week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the butterflies. You might be scratching your head and saying, you know, what's with the butterflies? The obvious symbolism to me was, you know, being made into something new. You know, you, you come as a caterpillar, and you turn into a pretty butterfly, and it's awesome. But I was talking to him, and I was like, caterpillars are ugly. Like, they're like half a step they're away like, from being a worm. Like alien or Yeah, they're, they're like chubby, they little, yeah. nasty, hairy, nasty craps, you know? Sorry. <laughs> I can't get through one service without... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a teenager still, or sort of, at heart. Um, I talk to teenagers a lot, so... Anyways, they're gross. Do you think the caterpillar spends its entire time as a caterpillar thinking, I gotta eat these leaves so I become a butterfly? Like... <laughs> I don't think the butterfly, like, I don't, I don't think the, the caterpillar knows that's going to happen. It's just doing what it knows to do. It's just eating and eating and eating. And then, dang, one day he gets a little sleepy and then boom, it's a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by the miracle of Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't know how it happens. <laughs> the gist of the story. <laughs> Caterpillars aren't, like, cute to look at unless you... Whatever. They're, they're gross. They just do what they know what to do. They just eat. The son was just doing what he felt like he knew was right. He was just living his life, doing whatever he felt. He's being a caterpillar. He's being ugly. He's just eating food. He's consuming. He's consuming. He's consuming. The son is just taking in everything. All, you know, gambling, you know, uh, prostitutes, like all of it. Like, the son is just living his life the way he feels like he needs to live. And then one day... He finds himself in this cocoon period where he's sitting there and it's, it's make or break. You know, if, if he doesn't change, he's going to be stuck, right? So he took that step. And that's why the butterfly, to me, you're going to see it all over the place now. Think about the prodigal son. Think about coming and changing because that, to me, is epic. So sorry. That's awesome. I'll start no. talking about caterpillars. That's great. So, yeah, butterflies are beautiful. Let's just remember <laughs> that, all right? So... What it all comes down to is, uh, what I love about this is that the son came to himself. Like at that moment, that was the moment where the heart change happened, right? That is what Pastor Elijah means by, you know, you don't have to come and say something specific to God and be accepted back into his, into his good grace, you know? This young man came to himself, he had a heart change. And, and I, I kind of go to, back to when I got saved. Like, I remember the moment when, when the pastor at the time was preaching the gospel, and he said, if you need to receive Jesus, raise your hand. And specifically at a moment when, when he said that, that's when I, I heard God speak to me and told me to raise my hand, and my heart went, <clears throat> that was when it opened and believed in Jesus, just like that. And I think that's exactly what happens here when it says that this young man came to himself, that that heart change happened. And you know, the, the cool thing about it is how, how Jesus explains this parable. It's about this young man who squanders everything. And he squanders it on gambling, on prostitutes, on drinking. Okay, let's list the top three sins ever, right? So how can we, and, and this is what the devil does, is he blinds every one of us in saying, you're not good enough to come to Jesus. That is so wrong. And that's why we don't go to Mass on Sunday. Because religion says 
X, Y, Z, you're in. God says, just turn your heart to me. That's it. Repent for what you've done. Receive my son who I sent to you and believe on him. And then bam, your name is written in heaven. All right? Which does not mean that you're going to have a rosy life, as we've talked about before. So this picks up in Luke chapter 15, verse 22 is where I'm picking up. And you know how much I love the word, but in the Bible. So, but the father said to his servants, bring not yesterday, not three hours from now, not tomorrow, no, right now, quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. That ring, right? See, when we receive Jesus, we are now seated with him in heavenly places. Amen? Man, there, there's this thing called, we're, we're, we're as, not as prominent as him, he's God, and we're not. But we're at that level to where we are looked upon when God sees us, he sees, he sees his son Jesus, amen? We are a son, we are a daughter in Christ. So we're, we're now seated with him, that ring, we, like when you receive him as Lord and Savior, boom, he puts a ring on your finger. It is a, that's why marriage is analogous to our relationship with Jesus. Put a ring on that finger. He, puts a ring on our finger, right? It is a sign of prominence that you are now welcome into the kingdom. You're now part of God's family. I love that. So it kind of reminds me of the movie Dune. What happened there? So if you haven't seen it, there's a movie called Dune. It's super cool. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It won like a bunch of Oscars this past week. But basically there's a son and there's a dad and the dad is like ruler of this whole planet basically. And what happens is when, when the, the dad ends up dying, and the son inherits the ring. And the ring is basically saying, you know, I'm the leader of this family. You know, I, I'm, I have importance in this. And what we, we drew the connection to, you know, when he came back, I was like, Dad, why does he give him a ring? Like, that seems very specific. And we talked about it is how the dad was claiming him back as part of the family. He's saying the son comes back, and the father puts a ring on his hand and says, you're back. You're, you're in it. You're part of, I don't know what their last name was, you know, but like, you know what I mean? When you get married, even, like, uh, the bride takes the last name of the, the groom. Like, you become part of that family. Like, that's symbolism. And I thought it was a really cool thing because I was reading it, and I was like, what is the significance of a ring? We talked about it a little bit, so. Which, which is fantastic because really what God is doing is I'm giving you my best. All right? God never gives us something halfway. It's always his best. So coming to Jesus, receiving him, receiving eternal life, receiving forgiveness, that's his best. And man, like I've, I've said, and like I said, I like the word but in the Bible because Jesus said all these things must take place, but the end is not yet. We're still in that time of time. We have this age of grace that we live in. There, it's not too late. Your heart's still beaten. The earth is still here. The sun still rises and sets. The birds I love the birds this time of year. They sing, 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 right? We got cardinals all over my yard and I love listening to them sing. It's like, like clockwork. Five o'clock in the morning, that stinking cardinal is singing outside my window. We have, like, we have a bird that runs into our glass at the house. Like we have a bird that wakes up like at five in the morning and just <laughs> runs into our windows. It's your, it's your window. Wow. It's our alarm clock. It just dunk. Wow. It's like a constant reminder that we're still alive. Like the end is not yet, there's still time. And so this son 
comes to himself, comes back, repents, the Father gives him everything. And this goes in into verse 23. And he brings the fattened, or bring the fattened calf and kill it. What is the fattened calf? What is that, Angus beef? What, what is the fattened calf? I, I don't know. But bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to Lionel Richie style dance on the ceiling, celebrate. All right? And I love that. I love this parable, man. I love, this is Jesus, man. This is the son of God saying, you come to me, it's party time. It's party time. So what is this? We were reading this, this whole fattened calf thing, this whole let us eat and celebrate, man. This is like the marriage supper of the lamb. One day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to have this feast with him. It's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. I already have my order put in to Jesus what I want on that day. But this is, this is like everything I have is yours. See, I, I think about how Elijah, when he used to live with us, like he had what I call refrigerator rights. So me as the dad, right, I come home, bring, bring home the bacon. My lovely wife, wife, Lisa, goes to Target and buys all our groceries and brings it back and shoves it in the refrigerator. And guess what? This young man ate us out of the house every week. I was a caterpillar, right? bro. I ate all yeah, of that. Yeah. So... You were like, what? I was a caterpillar. I ate everything. I was yeah, weird. he sure did. Mr. Alpha Male over here ate everything. So the thing is, is that he has the right to go to my refrigerator and take whatever he wants out of there, right? And even, even now, he'll come over and he takes one of my, what are those things called? Uh, sparkling water. Woo, sparkling uh, water fans, yeah! <laughs> I have sparkling water in there. The Target brand is actually really good. Um, my favorite is strawberry mango, if you're taking notes, but... But, um, but he, he comes in, he grabs in. I'll even go in there and say, I had two in here, now there's one. What's up? So he, he's got the refrigerator rights, so do we. And why is that? He is my son. He is my child. I love him. I would do anything for, for him. And God has done everything and anything he could to save us, right? He moved literally heaven and earth. And we have everything that, that Jesus has right now, everything that's in his kingdom, we have access to. It's the Holy Spirit, we have access to him, right? We have his power, we have his authority, we have his ability. It's not our own power, it's not our own might, but it's by his spirit we're able to do anything. We have all this stuff that's available to us. And why? Because we're no longer dead. We're alive in Christ. I'm not dead in my sin anymore. Those things that I've done in the past, the things I even do now that I know is sin, that I ask for forgiveness for, that does not define me. That is not who I am. So I am not dead to my sins anymore because what, when I receive Jesus, then I actually accept the fact that he's already bore all my sin. He's already taken care of all that on the cross. So I am no longer dead in my sin. But now because I have him and I have also his resurrection, I have what I can look forward to is eternal life because he raised from the dead, then I also am now alive in him. And that is reason to celebrate, amen. So as we're seeing here, there, there's this theme of celebration. So I know Pastor Elijah talked about the parable of the sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And so at the end of each of those parables, I'm gonna read to you these verses. Luke chapter 15, verse seven. 
He says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That's awesome. At the end of the parable of the lost coin in verse 10, he says this, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's amazing. Look, any of us ever thought that God was a party animal? No, I don't think any of us have had that thought before. I did. He is, yeah, he is, in a good way, he definitely is. And that's the thing, as we go through this parable of the prodigal son, now we're getting into this portion when the older son, who says he's done everything right, comes into the picture. So here we go in verse 25. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Let's see some moves. Absolutely not. Okay. If you want to see me dance, come Wednesday night. Yeah. There you go. And so this son called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, right? Can you imagine you're out there slaving in the field all day and you come back to the house and the thing is just pumping, give me the, mm, mm, mm. yeah, you're hearing that and you're coming back, right? And so he's like, what is going on? And And the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Wow, I love that. That last few words, safe and sound. So when you come and receive Jesus, you are safe and sound. It is written in heaven, you are safe and sound. Now talk about eternal security, this is it right here. This is it, safe and sound. Now the whole thing I talked about last week about Jesus being prophesied, the reason why that should give us comfort in this day is knowing that he is going to do what he said he is going to do. So my peace is in that no matter what happens in this life, my peace is in him and what he said he is going to do. And what he said is when we come to him and receive him, we are now safe and sound. And look how the brother responds. Here's a but that I don't like. (laughs) But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered the father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. So what is this painting the picture of? Somebody who is self-righteous. Somebody who maybe some of us might look at and say, oh, they got her all together. Oh, they're perfect. They're the ones that deserve Jesus. Somebody who says he does everything right. This person needs Jesus just as much as the young man who left and squandered all of his dad's money. He said, I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He was outwardly sinful. That, yeah, that first son was outwardly sinful. This man, this, this older son was inwardly sinful. So there's sin that you can see outwardly, no doubt, you're out there boozing, sleeping with prostitutes, you're squandering uh, money, you're gambling it away, that is outward, very easy to see. 
But then there's this self-righteous attitude, I'm all that in a bag of chips or whatever, you know, you just you think about yourself, I dot all my I's, cross all my T's, and somehow I'm perfect. That is inwardly sinful as well. So here's the big idea with this. The big idea is that being a rule follower does not mean that you're a follower of Jesus. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. That's facts. And I'm telling you, man, I, I it just, before I hand it off to Elijah to close us out, I, that's what it's all about. And I was just talking to, to Chris over here to my right, who's our awesome usher, who's got my back. In case somebody decides to rush the stage, there's Chris. <laughs> Which I don't see why anybody would do that. But he and I were talking about The Chosen that series that's out there. If you have not, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make another plug for it. If you have not watched that, you must watch that. That, to me, is the most accurate depiction of Jesus Christ. It's so good. It is relationship. And, and I am going to shake that relationship tree until all the ones that are sitting in it that is crying, rule follow, rule follow, follow these rules, follow this, follow that, are shaken out of it. It's about relationship. And see, the younger son who squandered everything, that's what he understood. And that's why he felt he could come back. Relationship. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants all of our hearts. And once he has it, then we have everything that he has to offer us. It's funny, we were sitting here talking about it uh, a few days ago, and we're talking about how, you know, the son obviously reacted poorly, and how uh, in the story, if you remember, Jesus is still sitting around, hanging out with, you know, us, basically, and the Pharisees are still sitting there scratching their heads saying, you know, why are you hanging out with them? If you haven't connected the dots, uh, the Pharisees are the second son, the ones that are like, you know, I follow the rules, you know, I, I did it right. Um, for a real world, world connection. It's actually a lot of churches today too. They're very, you know, religious. It was funny. I was, I was back when I worked at um, Society Burger. Shout out. It's on 100 Domingo. Really good food. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> I worked there for a bit and I was talking to somebody. I forget who it was. And it just came up in conversation. I was like, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, um, no, I'm not, I'm not religious. And I said, neither am I. That's great. Fantastic. <laughs> like, because that's, the pastor is exactly right. It's not about following the rules. Are there rules? I mean, yeah. Like, we all know that. You know, you're not supposed to do X, Y, and Z. You've got the Ten Commandments. You've got all these things. But what the son doesn't understand is the relationship part. I was telling pastor, I feel like the first son that ran away and came back had a better relationship with the dad than the one that followed the rules. Because the son that ran away was able to, to like, you know, he came to himself, he, he recognized his mess up, and he came back to the father. This son, honestly, like he said, yeah, was he following the rules? Sure. But was he really? Because he felt this way on the inside. He's having this internal dialogue. I know we do it, bro. We do it all the time. We sit in the shower, we have arguments in our head with people that don't even exist. You know, like, it happens. He's probably sitting here, you know, just got back, long shift, doing what dad said, and he's walking back, and he's like, man, I wish I had a party right now. Like, 
He's like, why didn't you give me a goat to hang out with my friends? That to me, one is like selfish and arrogant. That's just how I see it. Like, it's, it's, no, it's not about, oh my gosh, my brother came home. That's epic. It's, well, he didn't follow the rules and I did. So what do I get? Like, do you see how, like, that to me, outside looking in, that's like ridiculous. That's like, well, what are you doing? But if we're not careful, we, we do this sometimes, you know? As Christians that, you know, sometimes we get really wrapped around the axle around, you know, you got to follow these rules, you know, you got to come be part of this thing. You're right, we don't go to mass. We come and hang out and have a family relationship with people that are really cool and that need Jesus just as much as we need Jesus. We're not perfect. We still mess up. We're still, we're, we're, I don't think we ever stop being the prodigal son. It's like it's a loop. It just keeps, like, we're going to mess up again. But like we talked about before, when you mess up, are you going to turn to the pigs or are you going to go back to dad? That's just how, that's how I see it. Yeah. And as we're wrapping it up, um, I just think it's cool because, you know, we talked about how last week that he was the prophesied king, Jesus, and this week we're talking about how he's um, the missional king. And his mission is to love people the same way that we're supposed to love people. That should be our mission as well. Jesus was on a mission to come and flip the tables. We, we talk about it in youth, you know, flip the script, do something different, stand out, be epic. Jesus sitting here hanging out with you and I. Can you imagine if someone walked in and said, you guys are doing something wrong. You can't be doing this. Dude, we're having church, bro. We're hanging out with cool people, people that love Jesus and people that love each other. That's what it's about. What the Pharisees didn't understand is that Jesus loved them all equally regardless of how they were, how they were living their life. The people Jesus was eating with, did they mess up? Absolutely. Do they need to turn back to God? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean Jesus is looking at him any different than he was looking at the Pharisees. We're all on the same level. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to, to finish out the, at least the parable part of it, and I know there's one more verse. Let me read it real quick. It's uh, actually two more verses, Luke 15, 31 through 32. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. That's awesome. And all that is mine is yours. There you go, Right. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. See, what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, what he's saying to those of us that maybe are not in Jesus right now, they're not following him, is there's a party raging on in here and I want you to join it. Don't be that one that's missing out on the celebration. And let me tell you, as Jesus said multiple times throughout the New Testament, there are going to be many people that are going to miss out on that celebration. Even the ones that think they have done enough to get in, he's going to look at them and say, away from me, I've never, I never knew you. This, this is not something to look over and say, that's a cute little story, you know? And, and in kids' ministry, Pastor Christina is showing these colorful pictures of this son coming back, and it looks cute and everything. This, this is a very serious story because this is all about us. And if anyone is reading it and saying, huh, that's not me, you're the righteous son. Okay, you're the self-righteous son. And, and I'm not here to say, and, and I want you to understand this, that because um, I, I feel led to talk about certain things leading up uh, through May as we get to, to Mother's Day. I got some topics that we're going to talk about. But um, I'm not here to, and Elijah's not here as well, to say, hey, you know, sin is not serious. Just disregard it and just come to Jesus. No, that's not what we're saying here. What we're saying here is you've got to acknowledge the fact that you have sinned. Because the Bible says very clearly, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as we have said ad nauseum, and we will continue to say for as long as I'm here. 
Now, we've all sinned, and it's so important to understand that that sin is what took Jesus from us on the cross. That's what he went to the cross for. It's heavy, and we have got to repent of it, turn away from it, and come to him. It's that simple. So don't miss out on the party. And as we talk about Jesus being prophesied, and today we're talking about him being the missional king, Pastor Elijah, what's the mission? Our, our memory verse, if you will, for uh, Pastor Christina's thing, is uh, Luke 19.10. And it's, it's this simple. It's Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And it's funny because actually, I, I worked at a kid's camp a couple summers ago, and this is our memory verse for the entire thing. And it was, really, it was a really simple idea. It's a really simple verse. I think it's so powerful. Because when I'm thinking about it in relation to this story, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You notice how the father went and met, he saw the son a long way off and met him where he was, yeah? That means the father was waiting for him. He was waiting for him to come back. I imagine, imagine, just for, for two seconds. Let, let's put, put, the, put the pause on, you know, the, the spiritual, you know, entity of who, like, Jesus and God, like, something that like, we have never seen or experienced, whatever. Think about it as Jesus, a man, someone that was sitting right next to you. I imagine him sitting on his front porch, just looking. He's probably having his, his, his chair time, hanging out with God, sitting on his front porch, and he's waiting. He's still waiting. And I can't imagine how happy and excited he got when he saw his son come over that horizon. So excited that he went and ran and met him where he was. Jesus is still doing that. He's still waiting here. He's, I don't know where he's exactly right now, but I know he's here. And he's waiting for the exact same thing. Every day, he wakes up. He takes a seat. He's like, maybe they'll come back today. Maybe they'll come back and say, God, I messed up. And he's going to look at you and say, it's okay. Because you are forgiven. You are found. You've come home. 